All right, welcome back to another another show, but a different guest. We got Casey O'Neill this week, and uh, I appreciate you coming on. Especially, it seems like you're on vacation, and you're you know interrupting your vacation to join us. So appreciate that, Casey. Yeah, I'm in uh, Hawaii right now on a little vacation, but definitely couldn't miss the fights, and was super excited to jump on with you and talk about them. For sure, for sure. Um, First off is, uh, let's get an update on, you know, I, I saw that you posted something about your knee that you're ready, like you're cleared to train. Just give us an update on what's going on. Yeah, so cleared to do some striking, some pads and stuff like that. Still not jujitsu. We're looking at maybe a more, one more month, maybe or two more weeks, hopefully. If I had it my way, I would be doing it now, but got to listen to the doctors. So little baby steps, but we're improving every day and um, I'm seeing the finish line now, so I'm pretty much ready to get back in there, even if it's not at 100%, just building it up slowly and then uh, looking to get a fight in early next year. All right, that sounds good. That sounds good. Sounds perfect. Uh, and you also recently took a trip out back back home, which you haven't done in a few years, right? How was it Long going back? Long um, I think four years, just over four years I hadn't been home, or to Australia, should I say, but... My little sister was having her first ever MMA fight, so couldn't miss that for the world. Um, headed home and cornered her for that first amateur fight, and she won. She looked amazing. And I uh, also tried my hand at commentating a little bit. I did two nights of commentary and loved it. Thought it was so fun, and if I did well, if I do say so myself. So I hope to do a lot more of that in the future. Yeah, I caught some of the, the show. You know, Eternal is the best, you know promotion in australia right outside of you know the, the bigger promotions in the world and uh yeah how was it was it nerve-wracking though that you know that they put you on the spot right when you're commentating it was for maybe like the first couple fights but after that i just sort of found my groove you know I, I know what i'm talking about when it comes to fighting and like you said eternal is like the best promotion in australia right now so the fighters were super high level and it was just really easy to talk about because they just gave us a show so um, a lot of great fights, and I was honored to be a part of it. And I had uh, Kyle Nope, who's also an uh, ultimate fighter, veteran, and a UFC veteran um, in the commentary booth as well, helping me along. And Tanera, who does it all the time. Those guys are great, so it's easy to just mesh straight in with them and just, you know, say my pieces when need be. But they say all the important stuff, so it makes it easy. Yeah, multiple generation of fighters coming out of Australia. It's, it's, it's great to see. Um, now, was there any fighters you saw, like, you, you think they're UFC ready on those two cards? Um, I would say there's a lot that are very, very close, you know, but uh, a big problem in Australia is having a lack of people to fight. It's still a growing sport in Australia and New Zealand, so there isn't as many fighters as there is, you know, say, say if you came to the stateside, and you went to a regional show, you know, people have a lot more experience than people in Australia just because there's so many people to fight. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot that are close, just need a couple more fights, a couple more wins on their record. And uh, But we do have some people coming out of Australia. I think uh, Jack Jenkins just got a contender series fight and win and contract, and he was an eternal MMA champion as well. Same yeah. with Jack Della, same with myself. Yeah. So if I do say so myself, Eternal is, you know, a really good uh, sort of leveling testing ground for the UFC. And they seem to pull a lot of uh, talent from there for the 
for the UFC Australia New Zealand cards. So there's a card coming up in Perth. We could see some of those winners end up on that card anyway. That sounds good. Um, yeah. Also, uh, I believe Shannon Ross, who, who oh, yeah, uh, he, yeah, he got he got he got a contract, so it's good for him too. He was also an internal champion as yeah. well. Um, yeah, so, Stephen yeah. Hestek, who's coming up, you know, Sean yeah. Edsel, who was on Road to UFC. So, as Eternal champions are going out in the world and, you know, proving that Eternal is number one and no other show in Australia is doing that. So, I'm pretty, like, pretty proud of how far Eternal's come in those 10 years. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, before we get into uh, talking about the main event at UFC Vegas 61, I need you guys to go down in the in the descriptions and uh, download the app. The All Star, we have an app. Casey, did you know that? Probably not, right? I didn't know that, but I'm gonna download it. Everyone else should. Yeah, download. for sure, for sure. Check it out. Download the app. It's you know everything's like live updates, statistics, everything that's you know you need for MMA. You could customize it for other sports as well. So uh, go check it out and uh, yeah, just do what you think in the comments about the app, and uh, yeah, we'll get back to you guys. Um, the main event, we look at. I'm going to look at some of the statistics. I'm going to read you some of the statistics. It's a five-round fight. They went at it, right? It was one of the best fights, I think, women's fights of the year. Um, Mackenzie Dern, she landed a total of 224 strikes. Yan Zhaonan landed 151 strikes. Now, that's a pretty big gap, right? What do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. Look, I I know the decision was like, was it a draw? Was it Yan's? But... uh... For me, watching the fight, I think that every time Jan landed, it had a little bit more of like that impact, you know, the more significant strikes of the fight were coming from her. So um, I see, you know, Mackenzie landing a few more, but I think a lot of it was also ground strikes and they were all to set up a submission. It wasn't like she was going out there and trying to finish it with ground and pound. She was just throwing uh, pitter-patter shots sort of to try and get her arm under the neck. Had she thrown a couple of harder ones, I think she probably would have got her out of there in the fifth. I was screaming at my phone, just throw a little bit harder. I'm like Team Mackenzie all the way. Hate to be biased, but I love Mackenzie. Um, so, yeah, I would have liked to see her go a little harder with that. But Jan looked great for someone who has a very limited uh, BJJ background. She did really well, and especially in that fifth round to last four and a half minutes, not getting submitted by someone like Mackenzie. Yeah, the second round as well, like, you know, Jan came out in the first round, did really well defending the takedowns and kept the fight on the feet. And then Mackenzie came back in the second round and, and pretty much dominated around almost, you know, escaped some dangerous positions. Jan did, you Sorry. know, um, Mackenzie, it was, I was kind of shocked, you know what I mean? Like how well she defended against Mackenzie. Cause usually Mackenzie gets girls in those positions. She finishes the fight. We've seen her get early finishes with submissions against high level, you know, girls in the division. So, were you shocked by like how well she? Because she said in that post fight, like I'm a white belt, she's a black belt. You know what I mean? Like I think I did really well against her. Yeah, I mean she did really well for those two rounds. All that Mackenzie needs is like one submission, you know, and that's usually the end of the night for most people. So, it just shows that she's like improving in her game. Maybe she's a white belt right now. Maybe not for too much longer. I'm sure that they'll be looking at that after that fight. Maybe she'll end up getting her blue belt soon, but. Um, Mackenzie also makes it like super awkward. She's not like someone who goes for double legs or something, you know, easy to defend a double leg if you put in the hours of learning how to sprawl and learning how to, you know, stuff the head. But someone who's willing to just throw themselves onto their back to take you down, like it's super awkward and 
it's hard to fight someone who's super awkward like that. I have experience fighting Roxy, you know, someone really awkward in their fighting style. So yeah, it really impressed me that she sort of, you know, was able to manage that really well and not get caught on the ground there. She stayed super composed and uh, ended up, you know, winning the fight. Yeah, I think that that's part of the arsenal. I think she needs to add to her game is be able to press her opponents into the fence and use that cage wrestling to take them down, you know, single legs, double legs. We don't really see that too much from Mackenzie, right? Do you think it's because she's so comfortable off her back? Yeah, I mean, she's had a lot of success off of her back, so I do understand that maybe, you know, it's the e the easiest path to victory, but um, she is improving. You can see it in her striking, you know. She doesn't look as uncomfortable there as she used to. I think that there was just a really big power difference between her and Jan, so you've seen that a lot of the times when the punches landed, Mackenzie sort of would throw her head back because... Uh, the punch had significant impact especially if she's running forward trying to get those takedowns uh the punches were landing a lot harder so i see the improvements in her striking and her wrestling and everything but obviously there is still work to be done and i would like to see her add a blast double to her arsenal i think that would have went really well um under some of those really long shots from jan it would have been nice if she had a blast double in space and jan didn't have the cage to get up i think it would have been a different fight yeah, with Jan, she 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 kind of reaches right really long yeah. sometimes, and it kind of opens up the the middle of her body right for some of the dip under, like yourself. You know, what I mean, you see, you yeah. probably see that when you're fight when you're watching the fight, like you could just dip under and take her down immediately. Yeah, but you know, Jan has that traditional striking background where you do stay really really long. So, um, it's a blessing and a curse if someone can get under your legs and blast double you, they'll take you down, but. If someone's constantly running in to try and do upper body takedowns, you know, it's really easy to, to catch them uh, with your long straight punches. And Mackenzie is an upper body takedown kind of girl. So I think they definitely did their homework um, because she she's seen that a lot of the time. What do you think about her striking? Do you feel like it is getting better or do you feel like it's it's just it, it is what it is? Because a lot of people are criticizing her for you know focusing too much on our boxing and and not enough on our wrestling but i talked to her before this fight she's she's working on her wrestling like twice a week three yeah. times a week you know what i mean it's not like she's neglecting parts of her game it's easy to sit on the couch and say you know <laughs> she needs to be better she needs to do this but she's a girl who's grappled her whole life you know that was her whole life before transitioning to, into mma so she comes in with the base of jujitsu and she's learning uh striking as a beginner in the biggest organization in the world you know so in my mind she's not doing too bad because she's hanging with these girls it's not like she's going out there and getting knocked out per se but you know it does have work to be done but she's in a good spot and definitely i do see the improvements in her striking but it's not an overnight fix it's something like her jiu-jitsu took years and years to master it's going to take years to master your striking as well you just have to keep putting in the work keep showing up and same with wrestling as well you know i'm still working on everything also so i feel the same way like you just got to keep showing up every day and one day oh clicks so where do you like if you look at the rankings right mackenzie was number five jan was number six now they probably switch positions right so you got jessica andrage at four rodriguez who i, I believe she has a fight way lee's fighting for the title and you got rose there who you think is the best matchup for for Jan next, do you think it's it's Rose, Nama Yunus? Like, they should put them together? Because they kind of have a good style. They, they can mesh really well. I would love to see Jan versus Rose. But I think that 
that's a really tough fight for Jan stylistically, you know, someone who likes to strike and someone who's so like elusive and good with her footwork and you know, she's just well rounded Rose, so it's a tough fight, but it's the type of fight that I think that she needs before she goes in and fights for the title. Just to, you know, gain confidence and prove to herself and everyone else, you know, that she can go there and beat someone, a former champion, before going in there for the bill. And I'm sure that if she does end up fighting Rose and beating Rose somehow, her and Whaley would be an insane fight also. So I would be really down for that fight. Do you think the boogeyman of the division is Jessica Andrade? Like nobody called her out ever. I think she's got that crazy power in her hands. You know, you've seen it in every weight division, like 35, yeah. 25, and 15. And the girl somehow never changes how she looks, but makes weight every time for every weight division. So to me, I'm just like, yeah, she's a little bit of a boogie woman and a little bit of an unknown. You definitely don't want to get hit by Jessica Andrade, that's for sure. So I don't see many people wanting to just take on that fight, you know, unless they have to. Um, yeah. She's a yeah. tough test. Yeah. What about Mackenzie Dern? Where does she go? You know, I don't I don't know if she's going to fight ahead of her because she just lost. But, you know, she's she's a she's a person that the UFC likes to promote. You know, she's this was her, you know, she was in a main event. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like you got she's pretty much fought almost everybody behind her. You know, what I mean, if you look at it, there's like Angela Hill at 12, uh, Michelle Watterson at 11. I don't even know if Michelle Watterson's fighting anymore. Um Piba, she fought her. Lemos, maybe, right? I don't know. Tisha yeah. Torres, she fought her. So it's yeah. like, it's hard to say where she goes from here. Maybe she goes into back into the lab and, and works on some stuff, right? And let, let the division, you know, figure itself out a little bit. Yeah, I'd like to see her take a little bit of a break and go work on some things and maybe even take a step back and fight somebody in that bottom half of the top 15, you know, just start racking up a few more wins and gaining confidence in her striking. It's really hard to fight somebody like a super hard person like Jan and try and work on your striking in that fight. Like that's a, a fight you take like a 15 or a 13 ranking and go in there and try and work on your striking with them. But, you know, it was high stakes for this fight. And obviously the winner was going to move forward to big things and the loser was going to have to take a step back. But, um, you know, Mackenzie will build back for sure. She's still young. And like you said, the UFC likes her. So I'm sure that they'll help push her and help uh you know give her some fights where she can work on some things and get better and then come back yeah for sure now i wanted to uh switch gears and talk about this this back and forth you had the other day with with this guy on twitter about <laughs> like get, break down what, what happened to us i, I just want to know because i don't know the whole story i just saw a little glimpse of it yeah so i'm pretty active on mma twitter i love mma twitter and i love you know uh engaging with my fans and talking to them. And I feel like Twitter has been really good for that for me. Like people always get on there and talk to me and I try to respond to everything I can. And even the negatives sometimes, I just think that it's really funny to like call people out on what they're saying because half the time someone will say something on the internet that they would never say to your face. So he called me out online and said that he thinks I'm a terrible fighter and that he would beat me. So I told him to come spar, you know, I've got one ACL currently not even clear to, to spar, but I know for a fact I'd beat his ass. So I was like, okay, come down to the gym. Uh, he said he was going to be there. I got Eric to sign off on it and tell him to come and just sign the waiver. And I seen he'd been posting some, some cryptic tweets during, you know, the build up. And I'm, I'm fully prepared to, you know, kick his ass on Tuesday, but he deleted his Twitter. 
today when I woke up, I seen that his account is no longer. So I don't think Casey versus Cal is going down anymore. Um, I don't think I'm going to be beating up the Twitter troll unless he shows up, but I highly doubt it. I think that people just like to talk on the internet and they think that you're never going to say anything back to them. And then when they, when you do, they think, oh shit, you know, and it blew up a little bit more than I expected. I expected it to just be like, he either shows up or he doesn't, but we've got Barstool Sports covering it. I've got Hunter Campbell from the UFC texting me, don't have any unsanctioned fights, please. I need you healthy. Like everybody taking it seriously. So yeah it's pretty funny Tick for me though tiktok is even on it i mean like i see yeah, some tiktok yeah. stuff going on i know on, so. i woke up and i had like so many people blowing up my phone and my mom called me and was like are you fighting a guy like nobody had any idea what was going on but i was like i think so i'm not sure if he's gonna show up but now it looks like it's not gonna happen yeah yeah oh, man I, you we could go I deep into Twitter. that yeah. i love yeah. it it's so funny like come at me try me i'll call yeah. you guys <laughs> yeah you do see a lot of guys like going at women fighters and it's like yo like do you know your skill set compared to their skill set like i've seen women beat the shit out of dudes like in the gym just like crazy you know what i mean like if i was that dude i probably would never train again you know what i mean just like demoralizing it doesn't matter if it's a woman or a man it's just they beat them so bad that it's demoralizing you know what i mean so me, I think me myself i think they yeah. just say it for attention almost you know and yeah. i don't know if it's like a fetish thing like they want to get beat up yeah, by a woman or something you know so you have to pay me if that's the case but um <laughs> no it's pretty funny i i like it you know i've been yeah. in the gym training with guys since i was like 13 years old and you know hold my own against them or sometimes i get my ass kicked but either way doesn't matter you know they treat me the same a lot of the times but when you have random guys from the internet who have no idea how an MMA gym works, um, they'd be very surprised coming into somewhere like Extreme with, you know, the type of level of girls that we have there. You know, the smallest girl there would probably beat their ass and uh, break their arm. So it's yeah. pretty funny. I welcome everybody <laughs> to come and try. Yeah, she welcome. Um, Todd Johnson, he says, I love you, Casey. She is, uh, oh, I love Casey. She is a very good fighter. I'm so happy that her rehab is going, uh, has been going so well. She is an uh, inspiration to so many. You know what I mean? That's what it's about, right, Casey? It's about inspiring yeah, people through sure. your journey. That's why I started this YouTube channel, you know, to show this knee injury. It's the first big injury I've had to deal with in 10 years of fighting MMA. So I've been pretty lucky, but obviously it's a super hard thing to deal with, even giving up your whole life basically for five months you know nobody thinks about it that way and it goes quickly for everyone else but you're sitting at home just in the darkness basically depressed about the fact you can't train and um you you come out the other end you just got to keep going so i hope that it's inspiring people to just keep going i've had a lot of uh either amateur fighters or just young sports kids i had a girl who's like 13 years old from australia who plays soccer who tore her acl and had to go for surgery and just some people messaged me saying that they were going through the same thing and it's nice to have someone to look up to or someone to show you you know it's not the end you just got to keep pushing whether it's hard or not you just got to keep going and you get out the other end for sure um actually there's another question and it was about your youtube you know i mean how did she get the idea to make the youtube videos you, you talk about you had the knee injury but was there other inspirations behind starting the youtube um i've been wanting to do it for a long time but 
building my platform first, obviously, and then, you know, every time that I had a fight coming up, I'd be like, okay, I want to start documenting for YouTube, but it's hard. Like, when you're in a fight camp, you do not want a camera in your face 24-7. You're hungry, you're grumpy, you're tired. Not every training camp, uh, not every training session goes your way, so I was like, you know what, we'll just put it off for the next one, and I kept saying that over and over again, and then I had started filming to get ready to drop my YouTube and I was going to start dropping it in um, in time for the Jessica I fight for International Fight Week and then literally the week we started filming we filmed on the Monday and Tuesday and on the Thursday I tore my ACL so I was like oh damn I guess this is going to be a ACL recovery it's the perfect time to start my YouTube so yeah, that's it's it's good and bad, you know. What I mean, it's bad that you did get injured, but then it's good that it let, you had all that footage that you can use to to show your journey. It's always good that way. Um, Plus, I think no, that it was kind of like a yeah. blessing in disguise a little bit, not for for me having a bad ACL now or like having to have this time off. But I wasn't willing to take any time off, even if people were saying, you know, like why don't we take a fight at the end of the year? I was like, fuck that! I'm getting five fights in this year, you know, like. I just want to fight all the time and I want to fight everybody. So sometimes things force you to slow down and realize that now you're at the point where you kind of need to take a little bit longer in between fights. And um, this injury has taught me a lot about recovering and taking time between fights and not training 27 times a week. And <laughs> just like being a crazy person, I'm getting a little older. So I got to start listening to my body. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah, everybody keep the, the comments and the questions coming. I'll get to those as we go. I another question, you know, I'm interested to get your thoughts on is about the 17 the year old kid mm -hmm. that got signed uh, to the UFC, you know, 17, not even like 19, 17. I think he turns 18 pretty soon. But what do you think it says about, you know, the sport when 17 year old kids are getting signed by the UFC? I mean, it's crazy, right? Like mm -hmm. the they just keep getting younger and younger. I feel like when I got signed, everyone was like, oh, she's young. And then, you know, there was like uh, Chase Hooper and like Macy Barber got signed really young and Aaron Blanchfield and just like a lot of really young people. So I guess that it just shows how like popular the sport's becoming and people must be putting their kids in super young or um, that older generation of fighters who first started are having kids and like getting their kids into it because I do know Raul and his family, they train at the same place as me in Las Vegas. And let's just say that kid and his brother both kicked my ass completely on the ground. They just are amazing. Like, I can't believe how good they are for their age. It's insane. And I wish that MMA was a little more mainstream when I first started. I did have my first MMA fight at 15, but imagine getting into the UFC at 17, how much money I would have now. So he's going to have a good life uh, if he keeps it up. Yeah, and he he's on he's in the video game already. He hasn't even had a fight in the UFC. I'm actually sad about that because I'm not yeah. in the video game yet. You know, I think that that video game is bullshit. And I was gonna say FEA Sports, but I won't say that because I do still want to get in the game. But please put me in the game. <laughs> of course, I'm pretty sure a lot of UFC fighters that probably have even like ten fights, they're not even yeah. in the game. And it's I like know, it's crazy. that is it's crazy. that's craziness, right? Like, I feel what like are there's you doing? Gotta there's got to be a way to put all ranked fighters into the into the game. Like FIFA has all of their players, and that's so many players. Like I don't even I can't even tell you how many that is. It's more than four thousand, surely. You know, like all teams, <laughs> all players. 
and you're telling me that we can't put like the top 15 of every division in the UFC? That's nuts. It is. It is nuts. Um, now let's go to the next fight. Uh, the next fight, the Coleman. I have event. to admit that the only mm -hmm. fight I missed is the Randy Brown fight. Okay, so, so I'll I'll talk about the Randy Brown fight because yeah. you've probably seen Randy Brown fights in the past. He's yeah. also part of uh, the same management group Paradigm, as yourself, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you guys are killing it, right? Like you got yeah. both main event fighters, you got the co-main event fighter. What's going on? You know, what I mean, you guys are yeah. doing it. Well, is I mean, it Tim Simpson? Is he the man? A star when they see one. That's all yeah. I'm gonna say. So <laughs> they they pick up the stars, and you know, they that's who they end up with. And Timmy Boy is just a great manager and. Obviously, there's a lot more than just him, but he's my guy, so he's yeah. he's awesome. Paradigm for is sure, awesome. for sure. Oh, Randy Brown, that's his fourth straight win, you know, in the welterweight division. People, I think people forget that he was signed from the show Dana White's looking for a fight. He's like one of the original guys. This was years yeah. ago, right? With Sage Northcutt and uh, uh, what is his name, Mickey oh, Gall. Wow, that long ago. Yeah, yeah, that long ago, and. He's the only one still around, and he's competing in the welterweight division. The welterweight yeah. division is full of killers, right? Um, yeah. But he he performs well. He, sometimes he scares me though, because I like Randy Brown. I've interviewed him so many times, and like I, you know, I have a good rapport with him. But in his fights, like he'll like he'll do some things. I'm just like, what are you doing? It's like, but I still I still think he's maturing as a fighter in there, and uh, yeah. and he's still kind of young, you know. What I mean, even though he has a, a lot of fights, but he's shown like flashes of uh, like greatness to be honest yeah. with you like he's he's had some crazy finishes like what do you think of overall like what he, he's been doing i think he's great i think he's super long and you know tall for the welterweight division and like you said that's a crazy division in the ufc it's hard to look great in a division of killers like that so mm -hmm. i think he's been doing well i think that he does make some mistakes as you said even like today i saw the highlight of that like knee where he ends up getting taken down but you know, it's just little things, little fight IQ mistakes. But if you are in there, it's hard not to jump onto something that you see. You know, you want to get an emphatic finish. So a flying knee would be that. So it's hard not to go for it if you see it. But, um, yeah, it's hard to also get finishes in the welterweight division. But I would like to see a couple if he can manage to do it somehow, you know, like stay long on the outside and get a couple of finishes uh, coming up. And I think that will help move him sort of more into contention talks. Yeah, I think um, he's he's earned a, a, a ranked opponent or someone with a big name. You know, what I mean, somebody that is like a a huge veteran or maybe even a legend of the division. I see him getting a fight like that in the future. Francisco Trinaldo, right? This guy is yeah. forty four years old. Will you be yeah. fighting at forty four years old? I highly doubt that I'll be fighting <laughs> at forty four years old. I I would say I've probably got another ten or so years in me, and then I'm gonna probably move on to something else some sports journalism or something i might take your job no i'm just kidding yeah for sure. but for sure. uh yeah no not 44 i think that by that point you know i want to move on and do other things and it's crazy to me that he's still in the shape that he is and still puts up the fight that he does um at 44 years old but good on him i think that was his last ufc fight though right on his contract most likely yeah nowadays uh fighters are are fighting out their contracts a lot like more often than you think well they've got big money coming their way you know from like mm -hmm. i know for a fact uh having ray at the gym that the pfl is signing you know people they want to make their promotion big as well and they've been signing people for good money and obviously scott coker loves to take people who have just come out of the ufc too so he could get money from that and there's bare knuckle now making waves and 
uh, won championships obviously there, but there's a lot of places for people to go now. It's not just like the UFC is it, but still the gold standard. And I think that, you know, if you can stay with the UFC and make money with the UFC, it's the, the best way to go. But if you can make more money elsewhere, then good on you. Yeah. A few years back, there was no like so-called free agency or, you know, like, a, you know, what is it? like testing the market there was none of that there's now you have that which completely changed the game you know what i mean a lot of people like you know i don't think you have the anxiety of like oh this is my last fight on the contract like you kind of go out there and and uh, fight your fight you know the way you want to win or lose and you could still get signed by another major promotion like you said a, a pfl or a or a bellator risings out there one championship is out yeah. there you know what i mean they could offer you money and like you said, you've, I've been hearing some numbers. You know I mean, I've, I've heard some crazy numbers in Bellator as well. Just like, I wow. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all prize fighters, right? Of mm -hmm. course, everybody wants that shiny UFC belt and the recognition, but money talks. And if you want to mm -hmm. offer big bags of money, you know, you'll get people coming your way real quick. And it's the UFC is more like a slow grind, I think. You've got to like start on the lower end of the money and then work your way up contract by contract. But if you can make a name for yourself quickly, you can make a lot of money in the UFC as well. It's just about yeah. fight styles. And I'm definitely one of those people that will go where the money's talking. So for now, that's the UFC. But, you know, I'm hoping to finish my career in the UFC too. Just got to keep getting those uh, big bags from Uncle Dana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and also, you know, the UFC has the biggest platform. You know, that's without question. Yeah, sure. And yourself, I see you kind of taking advantage of that platform and of other fighters as well it's like they're using the they know the ufc is the biggest platform they fight for them but it's not just that they want to become a bigger name inside of that outside of that you know like you got the sean o'malley's you got you know you got tied to avasa doing his thing he's yeah. you know like there's a bunch of fighters there. and now you are you know with the commentating with the youtube are you like setting things up for something in the future like is that what you're doing right now yeah of course like the the goal right now is to be the UFC champion and, you know, retire as one of the best fighters in the world. But at the end of that, I still want to be involved in the sport um, because this is the only thing that I've loved my whole life was fighting. So I'd like to get into doing commentary at the end of it or sports journalism, something like that. So starting to dip my feet in the water whenever I can, you know, get a little bit of practice and make sure that it's something that I would be good at. And definitely have the face for camera if I do say so myself so doing pretty well yeah you are um, yeah they, it seems like the UFC or e even ESPN they really want you know fighters to sit at that desk they really because yeah. who else better to ask them questions about a matchup or or you know whatever you know uh, uh, like an incident that happened in the ring or the cage a fighter right who's been in there experienced it and uh yeah like i i look at it like that as well you know I mean, even though i cover the sport and i interview fighters but there's nothing like a fighter's perspective at the end of the day yeah. i think that i like how the ufc sort of um sort of started to progress into having more fighters in the commentary booth and you know just people that really know their shit like laura sanko is killing it on the dana white contenders you know she's had a fight outside of the ufc so she knows what she's doing and she's killing it you've got dc killing it paul felder killing it you know bisping killing it so uh i think that that's the direction that the ufc is going to go in and have people um who fight for them or have fought for them 
it's sort of like a retirement package, I guess, for the good fighters. So you just got to like make sure you fight well and talk well and keep your brain intact. And then it's a great, uh, great job option at the end of everything. Yeah, it is. It is a great job option. But I feel like there will be more by the time you would retire, there will be more avenues outside of ESPN. There's, you know, there's so many like TV channels and, and broadcasting companies out there that you could work for. So it's not just ESPN. You could go work for Fox, CBS, whatever. So, you know, you just got to set up, set the resume, set the resume yeah. right. And you can lead into that, right? Um, the the next fight on the card was uh, a bantamweight fight between Trevin Jones and uh, Hione Barcelos. Man, Hione Barcelos went in there and put in some work. Trevin Jones, you know, he's... He's really good, but Barcelos made him not look really good at, at the yeah. same time. Yeah, he just started running away with that one. Um, you know, Trevin looked good early, but I think that it was another case of, like, power um, coming into play. You could tell that um, Barcelos had a lot of power, and even, like, whenever he would take him down, it was sort of like Trevin had no idea, you know, how to get, either how to get back up or everything he was trying was getting shut down, and Trevor's my boy. I love him, but yeah, like Hani looked really good in that fight, and he's old. Re he's really old too, you know. Like it's crazy seeing these like older guys still killing it and killing the young bucks coming up. You know, they just making sure that they know that they're still here, I guess. And he looked really good. I would just really like to see him fight a little bit more consistently now. You know, I feel like he only fights once every year or once every so often. So. If he doesn't have much time left, let's give us a couple more banger fights because he's always in exciting fights. So just put a couple in a year and let's uh, get going. Yeah, 119 to 15 strikes landed. Yeah. Pretty you crazy. Know, 73 to 11 significant strikes landed. It's That's... like, especially because Trevor really did actually look like he started the fight well. Like for yeah. me, the first round, I felt like he looked like he started well, but then he almost just got overwhelmed, whether it was the power or the uh, amount of punches coming from Juan Barcelos that sort of like slowed him down or the threat of the takedown as well. You know, that's a big thing. Hard to throw when you're always worried about if I overextend, am I going to end up on my back again? So it was a lot of hesitancy from Trevin, but caused by Juan Barcelos. And I just think he had a great performance. Yeah, Trevin... Trevin's my boy too, but I've been I've known him for so long, so it's like it kind of hurts me a little bit to say like Hyodis, you know, Hyodi did his work against Trevin. But yeah. Trevin's a guy that he could kind of put that in the back of his mind and move forward. He's mentally he's really strong, so um, you know, shout out to Trevin and hopefully he had a really you know, strong start in the UFC mm -hmm. too, you know, and it's like I know what he's been going through. Obviously, we both lost a really close friend and. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. you just got to figure your way through that sort of stuff. And I hope that the UFC gives him another opportunity because I think he can still do big things. I think he's just in a murderer's row division. And I think yeah. that it's really hard to look good. It's actually really hard to look good in any division in the UFC, you know, other than maybe light heavyweight at the moment, which is a little stagnant. But every division is just stacked upon stacked, um, probably 45 to 85 with the guys. So if you're in any of those divisions, it's like super hard to look great. It, I think they don't understand like how hard it is to finish a fight. It's yeah. extremely hard. Like coming up, you know what I mean? Like you, you'll face some opponents that that will give you things because maybe they're not, they don't have that fight in them. You know, they don't have that dog in them. Right. Yeah. But then when you get to the UFC, everybody has the dog in them. 
So it's like most people, yeah, most people yeah. have the dog in them when you get to the UFC. So yeah, ninety percent. Let's put it out there, ninety percent. Ninety percent. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Yeah. So like, yeah, I, when I see a fetish, you have to kind of you know respect that. You know, what I mean, especially a quick one because it's so hard to get finishes in the UFC. Um, we got a question about finishes actually uh, from Sirkan. What what she actually prefer more? So what do you actually prefer more? To win fights in the first round by finish or to fight over the full distance? First round finish. You don't get paid by the minute. So I'd rather just take my minute, uh, take my money and go and do my hours in the gym. But it is also nice to get cage time. That fight against Roxanne was the most fun I've ever had in my life say what they want to say but i was just grooving out there vibing having fun and you know bled bled a little bit for the first time ever so it's just nice sometimes to get into a war but first round finish is always good because you get paid the same yeah I don't, yeah because we've known each other for a long time right years so i've seen most of your fights and uh yeah i don't think i've ever seen you take like any really like I've massive damage i've never been made yeah. bleed before ever other than Roxanne so yeah you're, you're on your way to become like a BJ pin so this is what we're talking about like the yeah. older generation still kicking ass in the USC yeah definitely what do you think about Roxanne you know retiring she's actually getting into the the sports journalism as well yeah. now that yeah. she's she's retired so it's kind of cool to see that too you know yeah I'm happy for her you know she had a really uh, good career and for her to finish the uh her career in the ufc after everything that she went through in her life um it's pretty awesome you know she started fighting when women didn't have the opportunity to fight not only for the ufc but for like a lot of promotions she was fighting almost underground in japan whilst working as a teacher and like uh helped pave the way for women like me she went into that first um was it the first season of the ultimate fighter that had women she was in and, you know, she got absolutely smoked in that division in the 35s. And then she comes back at 25 and looks like a completely different person with a vengeance. Yeah. Gets in, makes it all the way to the Ultimate Fighter finale. Puts on an amazing fight and stays in the UFC until she finishes. So yeah. that's like the Cinderella story of MMA right there. Um, and I'm super excited that she's getting into the journalism. I've been reading her some of the stuff that she's been writing. Those blog sort of things that she writes. And... She's just super insightful, someone who's been around the game a long time and, as I said, been through pretty much everything that you could go through in MMA. So um, nice to have her perspective on things written out in paper for everyone to read. Yeah, so she actually writes for the All-Star. So, you know. Yeah, I've been reading them. I know that. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we got Shane Burgos. He wrote for us. Uh, we got uh, Sam Alvey. And then I got some some good good fighters coming up you know what i mean some coaches too i've been talking to so i, I want to do that i want to give an outlet to the fighters because at the end of the day like sometimes they surprise you with like how well they write they write better yeah. than some of the journalists i'm gonna put that out there yeah like some of the journalists are like dog shit like seriously and then the fighter sends me something i'm like what and then they're like oh i i, I work for the school newspaper in like college i'm like oh it makes sense now right yeah, it's like yeah. you find out crazy things and it's um, also just your whole life when you're in the sport. So it's mm -hmm. kind of hard not to be knowledgeable about, about things. Ugh, I can't even talk anymore. But um, it's, not, it's hard to not be knowledgeable about things when this is all you spend your time doing. So um, they, the ones that the fighters have been writing are really good. Yeah. Um, a question that is not even about fighting. It says, who is your favorite Aussie musician artist? 
I like uh, chilling it. I like Hilligan Hefts. I like Lessie. I like uh, Sticky Fingers. That's a completely different genre, but I like them too. Um, Tasha Sultana. I like Amy Shark. I like so many Australian musicians, but we'll leave it at that. That's uh, that's the top tier of it there. Uh, I've never even heard of any of those people, so I have no idea. <laughs> well, you need to get on to it. I'll send you a list of music. Names uh, for sure, for sure. Send it, send it to me. Um, WMMAC now, he says, started following Casey in internal, so he's, he knows your career. Um, she's made smart decisions with her career, fighting for uh, at UAE Warriors, same week as as the UFC at fight. Yeah, go. let's go back to that. You know, remember you fought you at UAE Warriors? Yeah, let's the just... craziest story of my life. So okay. I'm in Thailand. The pandemic started and we had to start shutting down. So actually before that, we had a bunch of the China, China um, UFC PI yeah. fighters yeah. come down to Tiger Muay Thai. And we we're like, oh, what are they here for? Oh, their, um, their facility is closed down for... Uh, for a virus or something mm -hmm. and no one even said COVID-19 I'm like oh really there's a virus there and they're like yeah I'm like oh I won't be going to China like I was like oh I'm not going there but then everyone was like oh wait it's starting to go around the world it's starting to become this big thing so that's how in Thailand we sort of heard about it obviously we're like in a big bubble there little shell no one really talks about things like that over in Thailand so we're just training away like normal and then people started falling out and saying they tested positive for covid and then everyone starts freaking out and the gym gets closed down so i would say the gym was closed down for a solid like three or four months at that point um we were training out of alex shield if you know who that is great jiu-jitsu guy um coaching tiger muay thai for a long time now at bang tao with the hickman brothers but we were training in his garage with some mats that we took from the gym and we had to like put up things so that no, the police couldn't drive by and see us and find us. So we were just like illegally training at that point. Um, and I was hitting pads still and I was starting to really, really, really run out of money. I was down to about $500 and I was like, shit, I'm not going to fight anytime soon. Probably can make it another couple months. But that was my lifestyle in Thailand always. I never had any money. I moved there with no money and I lived on a mattress on the floor for a long time. So you just make things work. And I was like, I'll make it work. No worries. And then more months went by and more months went by. And I thought, oh my God, I really need to make something happen here. So Danny calls me and says, they're offering you a fight on UAE Warriors. And I was like, yeah, I'll take it. I don't care who it is, what, how much money, whatever. And he's like, okay, fine. But there's one problem. You can't get back into Thailand if you go there because they're not taking anybody right now for COVID. And I was like, okay, I'll just go back to Australia. Australia won't take you either. It's closed for COVID. Okay, I'll go stay with my family in the UK. Nope, UK is closed as well. I said, where am I going to go? Danny's like, well, I'll smuggle you into the fight island. And from there, you can get the plane to uh, Vegas. And then you have three months in Vegas to make it work. You'll have to figure something out. So I was like, should I take this chance on myself? And then I thought, you know what? I've taken bigger chances on myself before. I'm going to do it. So I went to... Um, UAE Warriors knowing I had no cho uh, no choice but to win that fight like that was literally my only choice and then I went to UA uh, UFC after that stayed on weight and had lunch with Mick every day I literally made Mick sit at the table with me 
every single day to have lunch. If he was already there, I'd walk over and sit at his table, introduce myself, say that I would fight for him, say that I'm ready for the weekend, like just make sure that he knew who I was and just was really annoying about it. Jumped on that charter flight to America with $3,500. That's all I had, $3,500 with three months to make it work. And then managed to get signed in the first two weeks of being there. I think it was either persistence or annoying Mick. And uh, he wanted to either, you know, feed me to the wolves straight away because they offered me Lauren Murphy or they just really needed someone. But um, it all worked out in the end. It was a pretty crazy whirlwind story and um, very daunting, if I do say so myself. Standing at the back of that UAE Warriors fight was probably the most nervous I've ever been in my life because I was like, if you do not win this, you have nowhere to go. Like, you have not, no hope here. So pretty nerve-wracking if to say the least that's crazy like if you don't win like that's pressure because yeah. you're, you're already undefeated right so you have the undefeated yeah. record but then on top of that if you don't win you don't go to the fight island you can't get in to talk yeah. with mick maynard because you just you just lost your fight right it's not like yeah. you could talk mick maynard into signing you so it all like kind of dominoed into a perfect you know, like a perfect form, right? It's just like everything yeah. dominoed perfectly for you. A lot and of then when you work, got to Vegas, yeah. yeah, of course, yeah, of sure. course, of course. Um, when you get to Vegas, so Mick, you know, he knows who you are by now. Uh -huh. Yeah. So in that two weeks, like, what are you doing? Are you like deciding, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna start training at the gym, or were there yeah. whispers of like them looking at you in that two weeks before you got? No, started? nothing. So. I had known Keller B for a little while training at Tiger Muay Thai and we'd sort of like been friends here and there and texted her and said can I crash on your couch for a little while until I figure something out here because things were really expensive and she was like sure so crashing on her couch training at Extreme Couture whenever I could find a lift there or managed to walk there from where I was staying and just was training you know whenever I could managed to have Eric give me some free uh, free months there to try it out, I guess. And uh, actually got a call from Danny one day when I was in the gym to, he's like, you're gonna leave tonight to fight Island and fight Lauren Murphy, um, Cynthia's out with COVID. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm in, like, this is it. I'd kept my weight really, really low. I was freaking starving at this point. Like, <laughs> I was just like, I'm ready for this. And then I went to my house, I packed up everything I owned again, which was just one suitcase of stuff, not much. Um, packed everything into that suitcase. The UFC had a car that picked me up, drove me all around um, to do all the testing, like the eye test, the EKG, all that stuff. And then um, I came home, was sitting there, was basically waiting for the shuffle, uh, shuttle. There was an hour to go and Danny called me and told me I tested positive for COVID and I wasn't going to make it to the fight so then the emotions started running high all over again because i was like fuck they're not gonna sign me they're only signing me for short notice so i had to call back my dad and be like never mind i'm not in the ufc anymore and he was like what what's going on and then mick calls me maybe a couple hours later and says hey kid i'm still gonna take a chance on you you're still gonna get into the ufc so almost dominoed into a better effect again because I got a full mm -hmm. camp for my first fight and look how things have went since then. Who knows what would have happened in Fight Island, but um, super, you know, I'm just super grateful for the whole experience and everything that I had to go through to get to where I am now. And then, you know, you just went back to Australia just recently and that was four yeah. years, yeah. right? Four years. Yeah. This, that, it must have been crazy to, like, 
see everybody back there and you know and and all the success you've had since you left because when you left you were in Thailand you went to Thailand to go train yeah. at Tiger to for with your new coaches and and you know develop your skill set and then by the time you come back you're already in the UFC with a few fights and yeah. you know like ranked yeah um it was weird but you know people in Australia are not like everywhere else there's I'm sure you've heard Ezreal talk about it, tall poppy syndrome. People don't like to support you. So people didn't treat me any differently. Nobody, not many people at least, a few people did, but not many people gave me my congratulations or my flowers, but I'm fine with that because I'm where I am and you know, they're still trying to get there. So either way, it's fine. If you support me, then I love you for that. If you don't support me, that's okay too. I still hope that you do well, but it is what it is. Are you are you are you a heel now? Like, cause after the Roxy fight, you're just like fuck you, and you know you want to hate me, fucking hate me. I don't give a fuck. Like, like I don't think I'm trying to in, put on yeah. the persona. Mm-hmm. I think that's just me. You know, like mm-hmm. if you are booing me, then fuck you. Like that's mm-hmm. just how I am. You know, I like I said, I call people out on their bullshit. So you want to boo, then fuck you. But um, I'm not gonna be like a heel character. I still want to be myself. You know, a lot of I had a lot of things growing up that um, I followed, like a lot of girls and stuff who were not authentically themselves and it caused a lot of issues for me growing up. So being a role model for girls growing up, I really want to be authentic and be myself and um, show other girls that they can do the same and still get to you know, a, a good place in their life, um, just being themselves. Let's go back to the card. I'm gonna um, I'll ask you about, there was one, fi- one other fight, women's fight, it was uh, yep. Chelsea Chandler, who is like from Stockton. She like mm-hmm. she she started training she with the Diaz, Diaz brother. brother. Yeah, yeah, she, she is. Yeah, brother. she is a Diaz brother or sister. Like yep. that's the beginning of yep. the sister, yes. right? Yeah. Um, she goes in there and just has an incredible debut. Did you get a glimpse of that fight? Yeah, I watched that fight actually. Um, I thought it, she looked really good in her debut. You know, she clearly carries a lot of power because every time that Julia got hit it was like taking percentages off of how much she actually wanted to be in there at that point um yeah she was she looked really good and I'm excited to see what she can do in the UFC um with a a sort of you know that was an a layup fight I would say though for Chelsea not saying that anybody in the UFC is bad but I think that Julia's record was one and four in the UFC or something like that. So yeah. I really would like to see Chelsea have a fight with someone um, at her level, I'll say. Maybe that Norma Dumont one that she was calling out, that would be really fun, I think. Yeah, I think she's in a position and she fights. If she wants to fight at 145, I talked to her ahead of this fight. I interviewed her. And uh, yeah, it takes a lot out of her to go to 135. The UFC wants her at 135, but she's like, hey, if you guys got fights at 145, I'll take those. And that's why she's calling out Norma Dumont because there's no division, right? We think about yeah. this 145 division. It's, it's, it's non-existent, right? Yeah, it is. I think that unfortunately, if girls want to fight at 145, I think that they have to go elsewhere. Um, I think that Bellator has a pretty good 145 division, not well in numbers at least i won't say that they have any like huge stars they have chris cyborg and arlene blanco who's from australia as well she's killing it but uh they have a few girls um there at 45 and then 55 the pfl she's probably a little too small for that but i think she can make 35 i know she says it's a hard cut but 
I see some room for some weight cut in there. I think she could make 35. Yeah. Um, but if she I know can't. If Norma can make 135, which yeah. she has in the past, Chelsea can make 135. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a rough. I think it's a rough cut for Norma as well. She's not small. Right, yeah. you've trained with her. She's yeah. Right, you've trained with her in the past. Um, no, I haven't trained with her. Oh, you haven't trained with her. Oh, okay. I think I've seen her but in I Vegas like a lot. See, she she trains at Syndicate. Okay, She's okay. The rival team. But, uh, <laughs> I would like to see even for girls like a five pound divisional yeah. limit. You know, like 115, 120, 125, 130, 135, yeah. 140. Maybe cap it at 140 because 140 that's still a great division. You know, a lot of those girls that fight at 145 could make 140 and that would make a super exciting division as well again and some of those girls that are a little bit too big for 135 like i think macy chase on's a little too big mm -hmm. i think that she would do really well at 140 she's definitely too small for 145 but that's what i'm saying like girls there's there needs to be more weight divisions it's harder for girls to cut weight what about a um, woman's like open weight division you know, just like after 135, I wouldn't be a part of that. Way. But if you're a big girl, then good for yeah. you. Be a part of that. I'm way too small for something like that. Yeah, I think Chelsea. She has a a future. She only has six fights, right? So yep. we don't yep. know. She can exactly be a star. You know, she's yeah. got that Diaz energy that she's bringing in. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously, every Diaz fan ever will be a fan of her if she brings that same energy. So, like you said, she's got a super big ceiling her ceiling is very high she just needs to figure her way out to getting to 35 and i don't even think it's too bad if she if it is a bad cut have maybe two fights a year build your experience you know that way you start getting on bigger and bigger contracts making a little bit more money and who's to say that we don't have the five pound uh weight divisions by that point you think that that's the, even with the guys too you think that that would be better i'm just gonna keep saying it until it becomes a thing you know like <laughs> manifestation this is my manifestation yeah. like i'm wanting okay. it to be a thing yeah. so i'm just gonna keep saying it and saying it's gonna be a thing so yeah. definitely i think that that's what's gonna happen yeah even other combat sports they have that they you know yeah. boxing has it yeah. um wrestling has it you know other yeah. combat sports they have the five I'm not sure difference. if we need to see it in the guys, but obviously that 70 to 85 jump is big and that 85 to 205 jump is big. So something in the middle of those two maybe, but I don't think the guys need every five pounds. There's so many guy fighters already in every weight division. And, you know, I think that 25 to 35 for guys is not too big of a jump, but 25 to 35 for women is insane. Yeah, it gives you opportunity to have like two titles, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. 125, 130. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, I mean, that's I not bad. I mean, I would be able to do 120, 125. I reckon okay. I could still make 115 maybe if I only fought a couple times a year. It would be a rough cut, but we could do it. Maybe I could be the first quadruple champ or something like that if they bring those five-pound weight divisions in. What What would it take for you to go down to 115? What would it take for you to go down to 115? I've been thinking about it a lot lately. It's... um. I want to fight the best in the world, and I think that the best in the world is at 115 right now. So mm -hmm. it's been a big thought for me, but 125 is easy. I cut zero weight, like I literally cut three pounds to make 125. So fighting at 125, just, you know, they call me with a name. I just say, yep, sure, no worries. But I think that in the long term, I maybe want to look at going down to 115 and fighting the best girls there. Um, but we'll see what my body does. I'm still growing. I'm 24 years old, so we'll see.
Yeah, we've seen uh, Cynthia, right? She was yeah. doing it. You know, um, just gone. Yeah, Raj. I think she did a lot better at one fifteen, though. I think she's a smaller girl than yeah. me, so I think that she would do better going back down to one fifteen for sure. I think that's her plan, though. You're like you're handling like you're you're like much stronger physically against like a lot of the flyweights that you faced already. <laughs> if you go to one fifteen, like how strong will you be against them? You know, because you probably trained with some of the one fifteeners at the gym, right? Yeah. Definitely, I'm a, I'm a lot stronger and a lot bigger than them too. So it's all gonna depend whether Jordy, my fight dietitian, wants to do yeah. it with me. If he wants to go down that journey again, I have some stories from the last couple of times that I cut weight. But there's more stories to that too. You know, living in Thailand. Anybody who's been to Thailand and trained Muay Thai will tell you that the trainers fat shame you nonstop. So I was eating about 800 calories a day, um, just trying to stay on weight for. 52 so i think that making it now would be a lot easier than it was back then now that i've gained some muscle and some size and i actually know what i'm doing as an athlete and not just doing this for fun this is my life now so yeah yeah jordy the proof is in yeah. the pudding if you see the athletes that he has he, and... he has told me that he will take me back down if it's worth it so let's see what um what the talks are yeah. i want to have yeah, one more 25 when i come back yeah. though for sure okay yeah, well, that's here we go. We opened the door right there. The door is open now, right? Yeah. Um, there's a knows, question. Maybe I'll go up yeah. to 35 and take a short notice fight there too. I'm not scared to do that either. So yeah. whatever happens, happens. I love that attitude though. Even though you have the undefeated record, like you want to take fights, you want to take these challenges because I think at the end of the day, it's not about undefeated record. It's about like who about you that. fought and what you accomplished, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, my favorite fighter all time is Joanna Young Jacek, and she has losses to some of the best, but I do not give a shit about being undefeated. I could lose tomorrow, and I would still have the same mindset. I want to fight the best and prove that I am the best. And if I fight someone and I'm not there yet, then that just makes me hungrier to go back and, you know, get better and then beat them when I fight them again or come, come by them again. So um, undefeated or not, it doesn't really matter to me. I've just been... Uh, you know, training really hard my whole life. And that's why I've been getting the results that I have. But as I start to push up to the top of the division, I know a lot of girls are the same as me. So it gets harder and harder, as I said, even to, uh, to get those finishes that I love gets harder and harder. So yeah. I just got to keep working hard and get there. Yeah, two of my favorite fighters that I've seen, or, you know, my favorite fighters are like BJ Penn and Anderson Silva. Those guys, they fought. Yeah. different weight classes bj Penn, he's 155er got all the yeah. way down to 145 he fought at 205 against machida yeah yeah he's like not, no, that's a legend that like, was a different time that was a different time yeah. you know like when people were real fighters like it is a sport these days and obviously it's a lot uh cleaner than it used to be and everything you know but like those fighters i sometimes miss people like bj like someone who's just down like yep you want me to fight at what weight yep no worries. Like, I got this. I love that. And like, Anderson Silva, short notice, he fought DC. I, a lot of people forget that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a crazy decision. You see 200, right? So. Yeah. Um, and obviously, it was a bit of a lackluster fight. But to yeah. show us, you know, Josie Aldo, someone else that I love, you know, um, fought anybody, fought people short notice, fought, you know, who's who at his division. Um, I love people like that. Conor McGregor. People can give him shit, but, you know, he took Nate Diaz on short notice. He's fought Dustin three times. He's fought the best of the best. And um, 
the fighter's fighter is a dying breed. I'll say that. Oh, this is an interesting question. Okay. What fighter do you go for when it's Aussie fighter versus a Scottish fighter? Um, I guess it just depends on whether I know the person personally mm. or not. Like a, a lot of the Aussies I know really, really well because we fought on the same cards coming up because I fought in the Australian New Zealand shows. And then obviously my dad's had an MMA show for my whole life. So them fighting for my dad beforehand would have also been a reason. But if I don't know them personally, um, I just go by who I like better. It's not whether you're Scottish or Australian, it's who I think is better. But if you're fighting Paul Craig, I'll always go for Paul Craig. Yeah, they bring it up in the chat. It's like when Jimmy Croup fought Paul, Paul Craig. But oh, yeah, I answer. love Jimmy Croup, but Paul Craig is my guy. Like, <laughs> my guy. JSJJ23 says, We need Casey at 125. Keep things interesting in that division. It is kind of true, though. He is saying some a true statement. It's like that division does need some some interesting fighters, some fighters that can challenge, that can move up and, you know, and challenge Valentino. And a lot of people are looking at you. It's not, the, it's not like, yeah. you know, I'm happy to do both. So who knows? Maybe I'll go all the way to the belt and then decide to move down after that. We'll see. There's a question here. Let me try to find it real quick. Okay. My phone is going to die soon too, guys. Just okay. FYI. Okay. That. So if I disappear, that's why. All right. All right. Uh, it says, which fighter athletes do you find motivational in the way they recover from injuries? Um, myself. I take all motivation and all inspiration from myself. I don't look up to any other fighters. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think that there's ever been a fighter who hasn't come back from an injury well. I will say one person, though. Tatiana Suarez. Getting to know Tatiana Suarez in the PI, she is one strong bitch, like... For real, she has been through some serious stuff in her life, and that girl just keeps grinding, keeps pushing, and you know comes back super hard. And I think she's gonna fight again soon. I've seen she's been training again. I don't know if that's me breaking some news, but um, she looks great, and she's undefeated too. She's a fucking gangster, and if she can get healthy, she's gonna be the champ at 115. That's great. That's great. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, is that? Here's another one. It's like. Would you rather fight in London or Australia if you could choose next year? I may already have one. I can't talk about it yet. What? There has been some talks, right? There has been some talks. So I'm coming. I'll say this. I'm coming back in March. Okay. Okay. So So there we got cards lined up for... I've, I've heard some... Some locations, you know, behind the scenes about cards yeah. lining up early next year. And uh, yeah. yeah, and Australia has been, London has been mentioned, or the UK yeah. has been mentioned. Yeah. Even like Korea has been mentioned as a, yeah. a location early, early next year. So we'll see, we'll probably see you on one of those, uh, one of those cards. Um, what did you think about the whole Mark Zuckerberg? Like, I don't even know what really happened. Is he like, an alien said... or not? Like for real though. Is he <laughs> an alien? I think he might be an alien. I'm not joking. <laughs> But yeah, I don't, I, think know. I don't know. I think he did buy it out. Sorry, my hair is crazy because I was at the beach all day. But yeah. I think that he did buy the place out. I think that Dana just didn't want everyone to know about it. But um, I know he is running all of that stuff, the Oculus and stuff like that. And I think yeah. that eventually we might be seeing fights in Oculus form. So maybe that had something to do with what was going on tonight. Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. You know, I mean, Zuck, uh, someone in the chat is like Zuckerberg is a is a reptile. 
I know yes. my, my guy, my guy, <laughs> my yes. guy, my guy, Kai Wu, he's the one who trains Mark Zuckerberg. My oh, guy, yeah? Kai Wu. Yeah. He's the one in the video holding the pads. Yeah. yeah. He's the guy. Yeah. He's been training him for a while. You know what I mean? Like, who knew the aliens says, liked him and me as well? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. He, his face doesn't move too much, right? It, it's kind of like a melted. I'm starting the conspiracy that he's an alien. UFC 500 is going to be on Mars. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's great that he's a fan and he trains yeah. and it's yeah. great for the sport because it, it broadens the view of it going beyond like a brutal sport and like because if Mark Zuckerberg is, you know, supporting it, you know, I mean, a lot of people that would not support it originally, they probably would support it now in computer land or tech land or whatever you want to call it. But uh, yeah, um, it's great. Um, how, how, how much longer do you think you have on your phone? I'm at 4%, so maybe right, three gonna, minutes, four minutes. What do you reckon? Write it. Let's just write yeah. it out. We're gonna ride it out. If if she's yeah. gone, it's all good, Casey. You yeah. know, I enjoyed the enjoyed you coming on and, and getting the chat. You know, from the card, let's uh yeah. let's talk about uh the card. Like, what performance that stuck out to you that we haven't talked about yet? Yusuf, he had uh, that crazy guillotine. That was so fast. I was in shock of that. I thought that uh, Mike Davis looked really good as well. Is that his name? The opener yeah. of the main card. He looked great against Slava Claus because Slava Claus is really, really scary. And, you know, he held his own on the feet, got him down easily. With ease, he took him down. And I thought he just looked really good. Um, who else? There was a lot of finishes on the prelims that were pretty awesome, if I do say so myself. I think that um, Guido Canetti, Guido? Yeah. Guido? Yeah, he, Guido. Yeah. He made Randy quit there because he choked him out with zero hooks and I think that he made yeah. Randy quit so that was pretty awesome um, that was I was su super excited for Tabitha Ritchie to fight with Jessica mm. Penny I was sad that that one got called off and Max Grisham got called off too um, yeah so yeah Felipe Lins had like some stomach issues or something like that uh, yeah well I would too if I was fighting Max Grisham I think he's very scary and I was super excited to see him fight um, so a little bit sad for that, but still a great card. A great, great card. I thought yeah. Alir Latifi, who I love, he's such a sweetheart. He did really well against Alexia Linick as well. He he um he admitted that he had staff after he like he just staffed all, all around the cage. We've all fought with staff. I no, have but... fought with staff. We've all fought with staff. I fought with staff once on my butt cheek, and the girl blast doubled me to the ground, and it exploded. Oh my god! Everywhere, all over both of us. I know that's oh. TMI, and like no, nobody will want to hear that. But that happened. That's for real. Okay, talking about some crazy like women's MMA stuff. Um, Yan Zhanan, right? She got. Quick. Oh, she, for sure, mm -hmm. for sure. Oh yeah. Hawaii sun. Yeah, Hawaii's. Hey, Phuket okay, has great. Two, sorry, two more minutes. I'm so. Two sorry. more minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Phuket has some. Phenomenal sunsets. Come it on. does. I miss Phuket. I really can't wait yeah. to go back. I really can't wait. I love wait. that place. That's my Hopefully, favorite place in the world. Uh, the first half of next year. I was meant to be there with you. And then I but then, broke my knee. That's right. That's right. That's yeah. right. It's all good, you know. It'll, yeah. I'm I'm planning on going there early next year as well. So I'm awesome. staying a few awesome. months. So, yeah. you know, we'll run into each other. Um, what was I, I thinking? Oh, crazy yeah. like women's MMA story. 
Yan Zhangnan, right? She fought uh, Marina Rodriguez, and then Marina Rodriguez kicked her in the the crotch, right? Because mm-hmm. that picture of her, like she's kneeling down the cage and like holding her crotch, Yan Zhangnan. Yeah. Well, after the fight, I interviewed her and asked her, like, you know, what happened? And then she told me that it hurts so bad because you know women usually don't wear like a perfect protective gear no. in no. the front, right? She said it hurts so bad, but then she just like she just shook it off and then when she went back to the back after the fight she took her pants off and uh, or her shorts off and there was blood everywhere oh my god everywhere yeah like and then i asked mckenzie about that situation and she said she had the same thing against uh marie rodriguez because marie rodriguez kicked her in the crotch and she also had blood there tmi but you know what i mean like people need to know about this stuff and nessa miskin the girl from one championship she yeah. kicked me in the stomach once and I threw up blood. So, what? yeah, <laughs> there was that as well. She's awesome. Jesus. She's really, really good. Too. She just fought last night, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah she looked awesome. I'm going to walk and talk whilst we go to the car, too. And uh, right. the, phone dies, the phone dies, people. All right, all right. Okay, let's keep it going. Yeah, let's see, let's see, let's no see. We got, we got. Um, can you ask Casey about the online troll that wanted to spark? Oh, we talked about that earlier. You got to rewind that back. Yeah, uh, rewind, guy. Where did where were you coming yeah. from? <laughs> uh, or is it, okay, here's a good question. Uh, who should we look out for in the future from Eternal MMA? Well, we talked about that earlier as well. Um, oh, I got a bunch if you want to hear them. Okay, okay, let's hear them. Um, Steven Ersig, we've got Jacinta Austin, Amina. I can't remember her last name, but she's great. Talia Greats, Blake Donnelly, um, David Martinez. We've got, sorry, my boyfriend's getting grumpy that we're taking too long. Um, Sean Etchell. We've got a bunch. Like, I could sit here and rattle off names yeah. after names, but. What um, about Dave Martinez? Dave Martinez is a, he's he's so a character, funny. right? He really yeah. is so funny. Like, I'm not sure what his stick is but i think it's hilarious and him being in that grudge match oh uh, i think we're done no oh they're in the elevator you can tell they're in the elevator sorry it's all good hey take it's okay let's uh we could you okay. could turn it off now and uh i'll catch you later case have a good night All right, so we got about. Oh, there she is. She's back. All right, Casey. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, it's all good. Go take care of business. Have a good night okay. and uh, enjoy the Perfect. evening. Perfect. Thanks, guys. All Appreciate right. it. Bye. Bye. All right, you guys. Uh, that's left in the chat. Um, fire away. Any questions? I'm open for any questions about the card. Yellow tour is going on right now. Um, you know, Pitbull is fighting Borich. Maybe we could talk about that. Just just shoot me some questions. But uh, yeah, going back to the card. Until you guys uh, throw some questions. Going back to the card. Um, yeah, man, there was some great finishes, man. You had uh, you had Brendan Allen. He went in there and rear naked choked uh, uh, Christoph Jocko. Um, man, the Randy Costa fight was pretty pretty. Uh, what is it? Guido Canetti fight was pretty crazy. He's I think Guido's like forty two. He's the same age as me, man. But he's still fighting in the UFC and beat. Beating the youngsters, the the, the up and comers, and uh, and doing it in in incredible fashion because the dude only gets finishes, and uh, I love it. I love it. Um, 
Let's see. Let's see. Uh, what is it? Yeah, Mike Davis. Uh, what is it? There, okay, we got a question. Thoughts on the media not being allowed at the apex? I think you know the media not being at the apex, maybe not being in the in the arena, like or in the in the cage area. I guess you could. I guess it's not a problem, but I feel like they should at least allow the the media to be in the back where the where they do the post fight press conferences where fighters can come back and and get interviews because like we don't did uh, did they do those inter- I don't think they did post fight interviews right so I I I think a lot of the fighters missed out on that you know what I mean it, this is an opportunity a lot of fighters only fight a couple times a year some fighters only fight once a year and they gotta take advantage of this platform so the, in the post fight interviews they get to answer you know certain questions they get to promote themselves and they didn't get that opportunity tonight um I feel like that 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 part sucks uh the media being allowed there I'm, I'm pretty sure the media they cover so many shows that they it's a welcome it's a welcome you know what i mean it's a welcome to them they're like oh i don't have to go tonight i could just watch from my house and 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 do my job from home why why not you know what i mean why not um did mark zuckerberg rent out the apex i have no idea was he there definitely he was there we saw him was his wife there definitely it's interesting to me that his wife's favorite fighter is Mackenzie Dern. And in the main event, you know, and his wife is Chinese. In the main event, she fought a Chinese girl and the Chinese girl won the fight. And maybe she made a fan of uh, of her. I don't know for sure. But uh, what else? Any other questions? Zuck, what is it? Zuckerberg scared the media probe. Maybe. I don't know. My guy, uh, Kai Wu, he trains. Um, you've probably seen him in the video. Uh, the 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 workout videos he trains Mark Zuckerberg so uh, he says Mark Zuckerberg he works hard man like he really wants to learn he loves the sport like he's really a fan of it and uh, and he's you know he's an intelligent he you know he's an intelligent individual so you know his mind is probably has fifty million different things but just him having time to train and 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 be fans of uh, certain fighters that's uh, that's cool cool to me man. Um, I'm not like into like the tech stuff, but why not? It opens up a lot of doors. Uh, what else? What else you guys got? Here? Hey, you guys can ask me about Australian MMA, New Zealand MMA. Um, I covered Australian, New Zealand MMA for, for years and I'm still covering them. You know what I mean? Uh, my guy, Chris Ferguson, uh, he does some work out there with, uh, with Eternal and Hex. And I've, you know, I've interviewed so many fighters out in Australia. Um, I've, I've interviewed you know, like Jack Della before he was in the UFC. Casey, I've known her for years. Jack Della as well. Josh Kulabau. The list is long. I mean, there's so many good fighters out there that uh, we haven't even heard of yet. Or, you know, I've heard of them, but a lot of people internationally haven't heard of. And they're starting to go out, you know, because the pandemic, everybody was stuck. But they're starting to go out and fight for uh, different promotions around the world. And and, uh, you, uh, and you'll find out. You'll, you'll start seeing these guys. Um, let's see. Let's see. Did you win your fight you were training for? No, I'm still training for my fight, man. Like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I should be rushing to fight. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm going to fight at the beginning of next year, but I don't think I should be rushing it because training has been a, an extreme process for myself and, uh, and injuries and like figuring out like what I'm good at and what I want to do. You know what I mean to to better myself as a as a fighter. It's a it's a long process, man, and it's tough. 
especially when you want to train with like good fighters but you're you suck like i suck you know i mean compared to like even guys coming up they've been training for years and they're just becoming a pro like uh, even training with them i'm just getting manhandled you know what i mean like of course they're like 27 years old half my age but but still you know what i mean i'm getting like so i have to learn to like adjust my training my style to to compete against them and that's a process in itself and that's just for practice that's just for training you know what i mean that's not even a fight and uh luckily i have good people around me that that want me to succeed and want me to develop and and uh and have the my best interests so i'm just going to take it slow you know if i fight early next year if i fight in the middle of next year you know what i mean cuz there's a lot of stuff going on in my life as well you know with work with family there's there's a lot to juggle so fighting is there but i'm but you know what i mean i'm not going to rush into the cage or into the ring or whatever you want to call it i want to take my time and and train and develop myself okay michael panza who's your pick for charles and islam well if i'm if i'm going to bet money if i'm going to bet money i don't know what the odds are can someone put the odds are uh, odds up if you know what the odds are but if i'm going to bet money i would just bet who the underdog is because this fight is just to me it's evenly matched like we've seen greatness from both guys you know both guys can finish the highest level you know talent out there in in the you know the shark tank division of of the you know the the lightweight division and and what's crazy is they're fighting for a vacant belt you know what i mean no one is a champion so um of course people think people believe that charles Oliveira is the uncrowned uncrowned you know champion because the whole weight it you know weight thing that happened last fight and then i go with them i feel like charles of Oliveira deserves to be the champion in this fight but um oh mike he said says charles on plus I, then i'm gonna take charles with plus money because i'm gonna take the i'm gonna take the underdog in that fight because i feel like it's evenly matched whoever's the underdog take put money on that i put like i put a i put like a couple hundred on that and uh but i feel that uh it's a toss-up and and uh and i can see islam going in there and 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 cooking cooking du bronx i can see that i can see that happening i can see you know islam because it's he has Habib next to him every day, coaching him, preparing him for this fight. You don't think they're they're gonna they're not crossing all the T's and I's? You know what I mean? They're crossing everything. And and uh what is it? Charles as well. Charles has a great, great team at shoot the box, great coaches. And the like, you know, I always like to say is the proof is in the pudding. Look at his performances. But I just don't like you can only fight like Charles does so many times until you're you're the nail, right? Because he's been the hammer continuously, right? In these barn burner fucking wars. But eventually, you're going to be the nail if if that actually happens. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think there's, this is going to be a barn burner. I think this one is going to be slow pace. And Islam's going to try to cook Charles. It's just, can Charles sweep Islam? Get on top? Or can Charles, uh, like... Uh, you know, just go for the takedown. Do you think, you know, because we've seen crazy things happen like that. John Jones versus Alexander Gustafsson. Gustafsson took down John Jones. Leon Edwards versus uh, uh, Kamar Usman. Leon Edwards took down Kamar Usman. So I don't know if 
pe- people don't think that Charles Oliveira cannot take down Islam. It's a possibility. These guys are the best of the best in the world, the whole fucking world. So nothing is impossible for them. But I think what's going to happen is Islam's going to play the the smart the smart game plan and and try to take him down just like he does everybody else and cook him and stay out of submissions. If he can stay out of the submissions and keep Charles on his back, he's going to ride into the sunset with a with a solid win and even maybe even finish him. And uh I was talking with uh Sean Madden, the the striking coach for uh for Easton Muay Thai, you know, he he's the striking coach for many UFC fighters, past and present. And we talked, and he mentioned the Paul Felder fight, where Paul Felder stayed out the submissions and had crazy ground and pound um for um what is it from top, you know what I mean, and finished Charles. I could see that happening. Why why would you not be able to see that happening? I think people hate a certain fighter so much that it clouds their judgment. Like people hate Islam so much that it clouds their judgment. And then also like vice versa, people love Islam so much that it clouds their judgment. So I got a lot of hate all the time. You know what I mean? A lot of hate all the time just because I'll uh, phrase a certain question to certain people and they're like, oh, why do you hate Islam? Why do you hate Habib? You hate all these. I don't hate those. Why would I hate people I don't know? They have done nothing bad in this world. Not that I have seen. You know what I mean? It's not like they've went out and like, committed crimes and and gotten away with it or something like there's no reason these guys are fighters they train they fight you gotta see like the like the dagestanis you know and the russians these guys they all they do is sleep eat train sleep eat train sleep eat train like that's different from a lot of other fighters like there's a lot of american fighters or fighters around the world that don't keep that schedule like they don't smoke they don't drink they don't party they don't do none of that stuff all they do their life is training you know i mean there's a lot of guys out there you know, we, we've seen the biggest example, probably the greatest fighter of all time, John Jones. He loves to, to drink. He loves to party. He loves to do all, all that. And on top of that, he can still go out there and put in work and, and be one of the best of all time or the best of all time. So um, I'm I'm so like I, I try to I try to get out there to Abu Dhabi for that fight to cover it. But I just can't make it. But I'll be watching, man. It's gonna be incredible. That card is the card. I don't think the card is that good, though. Let me let me find out what the card looks like. I don't think the card is that good, but there it's heavily based on heavily like based on like Islam and and uh, and Charles Oliveira. Okay, so the 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 what is it? Oh, it's a pretty it's a pretty fucking good card. You know, it's you got Sterling and Dillashaw. You got Yan and O'Malley, Darius and Gamrod. Chukagan and uh, uh, Farrat. You got uh, Mohammed versus Brady. Yeah, so, but it's a pretty long card, though. There's a lot of fights on there. You got Mohammed Makaya fighting again. He's one, he's, he's, he's legit. Like, he's only had one fight, I believe. Still, he's legit. Um, Yeah, so I hope I answered your question about, uh, about the, the Islam and the Oliveira fight. That's that's one of the oh that's one of the best fights I think we're gonna have, or highly anticipated fights in the last five years. That is one of the most highly anticipated fights in the last five years. I think. Um, let's see. Uh, any other questions, man? About seven minutes left, and then I'm gonna bounce and uh, enjoy the rest of the day with my family because my life is just basically covering the sport 
and and training and and spending time with my family you know what i mean that's it that's 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 what i live for so uh any any other topics you guys want to you guys want to uh, get into let me know um what else was going on yeah uh, alir uh alir latifi he retired today which i think a lot of people did not expect to happen um it's good on him man like if you if you know like it's time to retire it's better that way than just prolonging your career until like you're forced to retire you gotta think this is a fight or this is a this is fighting right like training is just drains your body your body is hurt all the time you're you're putting it through like a grinder and then you go fight and you're taking head head trauma right head trauma is something that you you should not look at lightly so if he's if he's ready to bounce let him bounce and and enjoy you know time in retirement these are the guys that are going to coach the next the next generation these are the guys that are going to grow the sport you know in in their retirement i think that's what's going to happen with uh with a lot of these guys um what else what else you guys got uh, i paul i love me some paul craig is he fighting on is he fighting on that card no nah, he's not i don't see his name yeah i don't see paul craig um i could talk about um Mohammed Maka versus Malcolm Gordon. I think Mohammed, his skill set is perfect for Malcolm Gordon. I think he goes in there. I don't see him going in there and doing that flashy knockout like he did last time. I think Malcolm Gordon's going to be a little bit more smarter because he's seen what the kid has to offer. Mohammed's going to go in there and he's going to wrestle the shit out of him. I think he's going to dump on his head over and over and over and over until Malcolm Gordon has enough, and then he's going to go in and finish him. That's what I see happening in that fight. Mohamed Makayev, I met Mohamed in like 2017 or something when he was still an amateur, and I interviewed him at Tiger Muay Thai. And uh, that's everybody was saying that. At, at that time when he was an amateur, everybody was saying, this kid is the, the next big thing. And we're seeing it happening you know, in front of our eyes. He is the next big thing. Fly, they need someone like him. And uh, that's why they signed them. Let's see what else we got here. Tatiana Suarez is underrated fighter. She is un unprecedented. She is man. Like she, like if if she had been around for the last couple of years, the division would be much different. Let's just say that. You know what I mean? The division would be much different. She is an extreme talent. How would Pitbull do in the UFC? I think Pitbull will do. I think he would do really well in the UFC, to be honest with you. I think he would go in there and there would be a lot of great matchups. It's just kind of like how Michael Chandler did when he came into the UFC. Like he has the style to where he can build excitement. And, and that's what Pitbull can do at 145. He can build excitement in, in some of the fights, some of the matchups. And, and if he does sign with the UFC eventually in the future, um, I could see him right away getting into like some crazy, crazy matchup. You know, like imagine him versus like a like a a Dan Ige. Imagine him versus like a a Calvin Cater or even a Giga Chikadze. Even him versus the Korean Zombie. Like those fights would be insane. Pitbull, he's not just a knockout artist. He can you know he can submit dudes. I'm watching him fight right now. He's got 
boards in a Kimura. He just sweet boards with the Kimura. Who does that? He does that, right? He's, you know, he's he's a good fighter. All right, let's see what he's at. Do you think Randy Costa gets cut? I I please please uh I hope they don't. I hope they don't cut Randy Costa. He doesn't even he, I think that was his what? 10th fight as a professional. Let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. Yeah, I think that was his 10th fight as a professional, right? Yeah, it was his, he's 6 and 4 now. You know, sometimes when you got a guy like him that's still developing and and it's clear that he's talented, right? The the boy can crack. He got decent boxing. He got crazy kicks, you know? And uh and I, I just I just hope they don't just like brush him to the side. I I hope that they they let him go back into the lab and and train for like six to eight months on some things because i know he took a long break right here but uh i think he needs a little bit more time to 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 go out and and maybe do some soul searching even more you know even you know because he we talked before the fight and he was talking about how like he was in a dark place and and all these things so uh and he, and he kind of went up a lot of mental barriers so um maybe he needs to go in and, and do some more of that and and train and just not worry about fighting like in the ufc anymore just worry about training and then the ufc gives him another fight uh just you know do or die fight because you know it's like they don't really like to keep people around too long and that's that's the problem right now with uh the contender series and and like fighters jumping into the ufc so fast is that you could end your career before it even starts because it's just too early for you you haven't developed enough in your skill set to go and compete with some of the matchups like like guido uh guido Canetti, he's He's 10 and 7, but man, he's fought some crazy competition and, and done really well. You know what I mean? A lot of, and he's 40, 42 years old, as you know, like that. There's a lot of training throughout the years, even though he hasn't fought as much, but there's a lot of training that he's done to where he's built this skill set that he could go out there and be a wild fighter and finish fights against young prospects coming up because they can't handle the pressure or whatever, you know that he puts forth in the fighter, whatever bad uh, demons that they're battling, you know, or whatnot. So I just think that they should give him uh, another chance, even, you know, with Trevin Jones as well, that that bantamweight division is, is stacked, man. And, and I think Randy, jo Randy Costa and, uh, and Trevin Jones are two guys that are young that still could possibly make a run and, and you got to give them their chances, man. Um, who should uh, Randy Costa fight? I just, why don't we just put Randy Costa versus Trevin Jones? Go home or go hard. Why can't we do that? You know what I mean? Like maybe that's the one. Maybe that I think those hit the styles work really well against each other. And I like both dudes. So uh, you know, I I'll cheer for both of them. Maybe Randy Costa versus Trevin Jones. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Um, so we're, I'm just waiting for the decision uh for Pitbull, and then I'm gonna bounce out. Who do you guys think won? Uh, you know, I'm not really paying attention. I'm talking to you guys, but uh, this is for the title, man. Pitbull. Yeah, body language shows me that Pitbull looks like he won. There we go. Pitbull raising his hand. Yep, defense. Pitbull is a, he's a talent, man. And uh, I think these other promotions, if he's a free and eventually, they need to chase after him and try to get him from Bellator. Because he's 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 probably pound for pound one of the greatest fighters 
Bellator has ever had. You know what I mean? So I would like to see him test his talent in, in other promotions against different matchups, right? Um, that's it. Thank you guys all for joining. Uh, please uh, like, subscribe, share. Um, we'll, we'll be back in two weeks. There's uh, Next week, there is no UFC show, but in two weeks, we'll be back, and I'll be back with another different fighter guest, and we'll be breaking down uh, the, the UFC Vegas 62. Um, yeah, and, and go into the descriptions, download the app. Please download the app. The link is in the descriptions. You can customize it for fully for uh, for MMA, all the major promotions, the UFC, Bellator, PFL. You know, you, you just you just customize it for that, and then you could get all the updates. You could get the stats, the statistics. You could get betting content. You get everything on the app. Go download it. Any place, the link right there. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, I'll see you guys next week. Peace.